Welcome to Pop Culture Addicts, the weekly show that brings you interviews and discussions with people in our pop culture world. You know, that means we get to talk more about movies, more music, more video games, and more. <laughs> Don't miss a week. You never know who's going to be our next guest. So, okay, addicts, are you ready for your pop culture fix? All right, guys. Well, hey, welcome to Pop Culture Addicts. I am Tim. This is my co-host, Kathleen. We are crazy. Um, well, she's that? crazy, and I'm just here. We're both crazy. The anyway. In my head said that I'm fine. I don't know what you're talking about. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, Pop Culture Addicts is a weekly interview-based show where we have different people uh, you know, around the pop culture world who are, are making the things, they're doing the things that impact how we view things. It's the Wass. Hey, um, I like him. I hope you do. <laughs> uh, that's yeah, for the people playing the home version of the game. John Wass is Kathleen Wass's husband and our editor of the show. Um, but uh, so, yeah, we talk to people on a weekly basis who come in and we talk about what they've done in pop culture, how pop culture is affecting everything in the world around us. And yes, Jeff, that is most definitely a spoiler alert. Uh, so. Uh, here's an idea of a few people that we've talked to. So if you're thinking about why should I listen to your show? Why should I go subscribe to your YouTube channel? And you want to do that. It's that little subscribe button where you click it and you click all so you get all the notifications. And you definitely want to do it that. makes a fun little sound if you do it. Ba-ting! Yeah, that one. All right. So uh, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's the sound. <laughs> you know, here's the thing. If we're two minutes in. We should not be this giddy already. That's... The uh, Werner's bubbles are tickling my nose, so I can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, on Pop Culture Addicts, we have talked with Carol Baskin from Tiger King. As a matter of fact, she was our very first interview on Pop Culture Addicts uh, straight out the gate. We talked with Carol about uh, life post-Tiger King uh, season one. At that time, we weren't aware that there was going to be a season two of Tiger King. I'm still not sure why there is a season two. I'm not sure of why there was a King. season one of Tiger King. Well, nobody's really sure of that one. Uh, but we talked about with Carol about everything that happened uh, post Tiger King and the number of death threats that she got, and and you know how that show and her being on Dancing with the Stars and some of the other things they did help people through quarantine and and how she helped entertain America for that time. And so she actually takes a bit of pride in that, and I think she should. She should. Uh, there is a fun little snippet in that episode that if nobody else, ha if you haven't watched it yet, please watch it, um, where she talks about using VR headsets for tiger enclosure experiences. And her reasoning behind it is a little sketchy. Just going to say that. I won't say that my head didn't snap <laughs> up like a deer hearing a twig snap when she said it. Uh, her reasoning is, and spoiler alert, uh, she can't put you in a cage, but she can put a VR in the cage because the tigers will eat you bones and all is what she said. So there's that. Uh, we've also <laughs> talked with, uh, if you're a, fa a fan of 90s music, which that's me, I'm a child of the 90s. We had the drummer of the band James uh, Jane's Addiction. Stephen Perkins was on the show. He was also the drummer for Porno for Pyros. Uh, he's starting his own record label called Perkins Palace. And he's he's signing actually quite a few number of acts to come in under Perkins Palace that he's going to be working with. And we talk about that. We talk about uh, uh, the some of the new stuff, the tour that uh, Jane's Addiction has been on, and some of the, the hopeful things that there will be a forthcoming Porno for Pyros 
album, which I would be ecstatic about. Uh, another interview that we had and that we were, we were very proud of uh, is with legendary bassist Leland Sklar. Now, you may not know Leland by name, but Leland... Uh, you know was, him by the beard. You know him by the beard. Uh, but he was also, he's been a longtime bassist for both uh, James Taylor and Phil Collins. Uh, so uh, when you hear the song Susudio or In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins, that's him on the bass. He's playing those. Sorry. In the air tonight. No, nobody thinks of the bass. They always think of the drum. It's, it's always the drum solo. You say it. That's all I can think of. The worst part is, is all I can see now when I hear that is that video of the deer getting stuck in the little kid's slide. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <Ooh. clears throat> and you're not wrong. I'm not. No. Uh, we've also and we talked have with... that recorded now. We do. <laughs> That's sad. That's all right. Uh, you. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, we've also talked with Mark Pellegrino from Supernatural. He was also in Capote. He was in uh, The Big Lebowski, a, a bunch of other things. Dexter. Dexter, that's right. Um, he's an American Rust. Uh, so, yeah, really cool interview there. And then one of our, our personal favorites, somebody that I've had an opportunity to talk to uh, on all three of our shows, because Pop Culture Addicts isn't the only show that Kathleen and I work on together. We do another show called Funny Science Fiction. And I also talked to this person on my show that I host individually called Focused on Forward. Uh, and that's Joshua Schubart from The Tick. He plays Frank, one of the henchmen of the Ramses the Fourth Pyramid Gang. So we've had some really nice interviews and opportunity uh, for you guys to get your pop culture fix with people who are out there making the stuff and doing the things. And if the hour-long episodes are not your speed, we also began a fun new series every Friday at 5 p.m. called Friday 5 at 5. So wherever did we get that name? I don't know. It's very puzzling. And yes, that is my cat. I am sorry. I can't help it. Hi, Ernie. <laughs> He's just going to sit there and cry outside my door. Poor baby. Anyway, so five at five, we each, it's solo hosts. So it is you, one of us will pick a pop culture related topic and give you five reasons to watch <laughs> or not watch something. From our list of five, for instance, two weeks ago, I did my five, my <laughs> live is fun. My top five favorite things about Doctor Who since the 58th anniversary was that week. This week, Tim gave you his top five movie sequels. My personal favorite, though, of Tim's so far is top five reasons that you should watch the Apple TV Plus musical Schmigadoon. And partially it's because it's fun to say Schmigadoon. And the reason why she loves that so much, just for clarification's sake, uh, if you haven't watched Schmigadoon yet, uh, Schmigadoon is, like she said, on Apple TV+. Plus. It is, however, a musical. And if you've listened to any of my shows, whether it's Funny Science Fiction, Focused on Forward, or Pop Culture Addicts, if you listen for five minutes, you know that I hate musicals. I detest them. I despise With the them. fiery passion that burns deep within God. him. <laughs> From the depths of my bowels do I hate a musical and for some godforsaken reason not only did i watch schmigadoon you I actually loved really it. i really really enjoyed it and it's very problematic for me it's i don't know quite to do with myself at this point it's because it's about you i do identify a lot with josh at least in the first couple episodes he was kind of a he was kind of slimy for the second couple episodes but the first mm -hmm. couple i was like i was totally like Yep, that guy right there, he's onto something. <laughs> Musicals so. are terrible. No, they're not. They're, and and Mike says that he likes my coffee cup. 
it's a beautiful coffee cup. Yeah, it says uh, when your song comes on. Hmm. It shows the you know baby Yoda doing the. Anyway, you were talking and I was interrupting. It's so. all right. It's okay. I'm used to it. I'm used you to are. you just steamrolling me. Well, I know, but I try not to. <laughs> it doesn't work, but I try not to. You've given a noble, noble effort. All right. But tonight, <clears throat> dear wonderful podcast fans, we are going to talk about something a little bit different. Something near and dear to both of our hearts. Tim's a little more than mine. Uh, that's just... I'm not excited. You're excited. Shut up. I mean, I wore my Star Wars shirt, so I mean, I'm obviously a little bit excited. But tonight, we are going to talk about the cultural impact that Star Wars has had. Let's do this. Yeah, let's talk about the wars. Oh, I get excited talking about Star Wars. Now, and if should and we again, just, should we get the sentence out, like, out to the world right now? I love Star Wars. Star Wars is like his oh. marriage. <laughs> I have said that a couple times. <laughs> a couple hundred. So, a couple hundred. I've always said that Star Wars is like my marriage. It's been there for me in good times and bad, uh, and in sickness, sickness and in health. health. That's right. So, uh, <laughs> when I'm happy, I watch Star Wars. When I'm sad, I watch Star Wars. Uh, when I'm, you know, when I'm sick, I watch Star Wars. When whatever, uh, you know. It star there's a reason always a reason to watch Star Wars, and that reason is I have Disney Plus and access to all of it. So there's no Besides reason the fact not that to you watch. probably have it on DVD, Blu-ray, and VHS. And did I don't actually I don't anymore. I don't <gasps> anymore. I used to. I used to have the all the VHSs. I used and then I had the DVDs and I had I had multiple editions of them and now I have all the I still have all the Blu-rays just in case, you know, we lose internet or something and I need to watch a movie. I need to get my fix. Um I think you I know. Have backup copies on my computer hard drive too <laughs> no actually i do i have those as well uh <laughs> but i only have the the first six because yeah i don't think i have the, the i think i only have the first six as well i don't have the the sequel trilogy i have the i have the og and the prequel but i don't have the sequel i think it's and i don't have one. rogue one or or solo okay rogue one you should keep because it's fun but i think it's okay not to have the sequel trilogy well, I disagree. I like all of it. To me, it's Star Wars, and Star, and there's a reason to like all Star Wars. There are things I don't like about different versions of Star Wars. I'm, I'm not, I'm not so you know blinded by Star Wars that I can't see its faults. There are issues with it. I have, you know, we've talked about those on different shows. It is a giant um, space opera. Of course, there's going to be faults. Yeah, exactly. It, it's space fantasy. There's, there's issues. It's the way it is, especially when I really still feel that most of the original trilogy was written on the fly. Mm-hmm. You know, like jo- Lucas was out there with a pen and paper going, yeah, I forgot we said that in the first movie. We should probably change that now. Uh, <laughs> you know, as he, as he started setting up other parts of the story. He was probably sitting on the beach trying to write and be like, oh, sand, it's coarse and it gets everywhere. <laughs> it gets everywhere. Yeah, I like this Mike guy. Uh, Mike, I'm going to, I'm not even going to try your last name, dude. I'm, I apologize now, but, uh, he's also a big star Wars fan. A, he likes your shirt. So that's a good start. Hey. That shirt, that shirt, by the way, is available on river city tees. And, uh, he also mentions that the sequels aren't the greatest, but I still love them all. I feel the same way. There are, there are tremendous gaps in the stories. There's tremendous issues with the sequel trilogy. Um, but there are still parts about them that I, I like. I still uh, am very upset at the fact that 
A, we never really got to figure out where Snoke came from and how he got to be so powerful and controlling of everything. And B, that he died with a flick of the wrist. Um, it just seems like so much opportunity was lost there uh, with that. But that's a whole nother, so other I will, discussion. I, I will say that I don't hate the sequel trilogy. I haven't seen episode nine. I was I have, you haven't even watched them all. You can't. I have <laughs> not made the effort of watching episode nine yet. We're going to change that, you know. Um, I, I, I watched really a musical for you. You're watching did. episode nine. You did. That's happening. That's true. That is true. I'm, I'm dialing that favor in. I can do it. Just actually, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to make you watch Dune '84. I made 30 minutes into that. That is far <laughs> enough. Actually, that seems like punishment for me. So. <laughs> How much do I hate myself? I do an 84 hate myself. <laughs> oh, you should see a therapist about that. <laughs> I still say the greatest quote about that movie ever is Mick Manhattan from the scene snob saying it's a slow burn of stupid. Uh -huh. And it's the most accurate thing that you will ever hear. It's so true. Uh, yeah. So, all right. So let's get back on point. Um, because frankly, I could go. <laughs> we off have a on... topic. <laughs> it's a very loose topic. Uh, but I could go off on tangents on Star Wars all day long and go off on these little rants and things. Um, and I'm going to try to contain my nerdiness now inside of the next 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to happen. Anyway. Um, we'll just sit back and let the nerd happen. <laughs> Do it. So, so let's talk about the cultural impact that Star Wars has had, uh, not just on uh, how we view things, but also how the things that we view are made. And so there's some really cool points that Kathleen and I are going to talk about. Um, you know, so I'm really excited to kind of get into some of these. Uh, one of the things that, that we have to talk about and acknowledge is the fact that movie sequels and continued stories weren't really a thing when the time that Empire Strikes Back came around. I'm sure in the 70s, uh, there was Godfather and Godfather 2. That was really the first. But before that, before the 77 and then and then 81 there wasn't the the need <laughs> i see you commenting down there <laughs> there wasn't really ever uh any other movies that that really did continue the same story with the same characters you know and setting up for what we now know as movie trilogies movie trilogies have kind of become the norm they've kind of become the thing where you know these long expansive stories are now played out and and three movies, because if you think about it, Lord of the Rings, if that had been made in the in the 70s, they would have tried to cram all of that into one book, all that into one movie, rather. That's just mean. And, yeah, and it would, the, there had been so much cut out of it that it, it never would have been able to happen. Um, you know, because in 72, I it was 72 or 73 when The Godfather uh, was originally released. Um, and, you know, and then he came out with Godfather Part Two. You know, and he and he kept up with the Carleone family, and that was really kind of what kind of set the precedent. Because George Lucas, as as I, much as I think he's a visionary in some things, I also think he's just really good at borrowing ideas from other people, uh, which is why we get much of the way that the Jedi's look taken from Japanese culture, from the samurais, and and, and things like that. Um, but Lucas was also actually a very close friend of Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, and so when, you know, when the idea to, to keep that going came out, he kind of leaned over, borrowed it and took it over into, you know, into that make changing the way that mainstream movies are done and, and laid out, uh, 
see john says you need to try and watch the 78 animated version fellowship of the ring actually no. i have i have and i don't think i ever need to do it again no but i think we need to start rewatching the the trilogy again because make sure it's the extended edition well yeah but not like there's a really another edition but if you're if you're watching lord of the rings and you're not watching the extended edition what are you doing with your life really i mean you know i don't know i don't know either but yeah so when when uh, it was in it was in 80 or 81 when when empire strikes came back uh empire, ugh, empire strikes <laughs> back came out <laughs> Almost like it's a Monday night in funny science fiction. Oh boy, um, no, you're not that tongue-tied yet. I, no, I'm not. This is actually this is actually much better. So when that when that screen crawl came out, that carried on the tradition from from episode four <laughs> now into episode five. When you know they carried out in the same story, there was a continuation. It wasn't that it was a new story and something else was happening. It was a continuation of the characters and the continuation uh, of the stories, um, and that made it. <laughs> You started talking about the scroll, and then the song started playing in my head, and then the the mood dragon decided to start. I flying. just see the mood dragon flying through the air. <laughs> I promise, uh, I'm listening to you. So, and then Empire, of course, ends and sets up the third movie again. Now, starting the original, the original trilogy, which set the mark for other movies moving forward. So it wasn't just that that there was a, a sequel made. It was that it was a sequel made that continued the story, that continued the the base that was made in, in, in A New Hope, which was carried on to Empire Strikes Back, which was then carried on to Return of the Jedi um, and allowed all the uh, knee-high teddy bears to become murderous. But they're so. adorable and we love them. <laughs> so, yeah. So it wasn't really common before that. And that's that is a massive change. I mean, if you think about it, I blame George Lucas for Fast and the Furious now. Uh, <laughs> At least he didn't write them. Well, yeah. Well, we still can't prove that. <clears throat> but yeah. I'm okay. You good there? I got this. <clears throat> yeah. That water bottle made a funny noise. I think it was your nose. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Who knows? Oh, goodness gracious. All right. The next topic of the cultural impact, because there's so much. Whose knows? What knows? I don't know, Jeff. <laughs> Who knows? Only the nose knows. We're easily distractible. Um, it may not be a good idea on a Saturday night to have us both here and be like, oh, squirrel. But Or <laughs> is it? Is this why PCA hasn't done any live shows yet? You might be looking at it, yeah. Uh... <laughs> it's just going to dissolve into us giggling, and nobody's going to know why. Anyway. Pretty much, yeah. <clears throat> so the other part of the cultural impact that Star Wars has had, a big part of it is merchandising and collecting. And that brought that whole thing to a brand stinking new level. I don't know what you mean. Not at all. I don't have anything Star Wars available. How do I not have anything Star Wars within hand's reach? This is weird. Yeah, I got nothing for you because... Um, oh, I... <laughs> I'm like, I still, know I've got stuff. Still in the box. Whoa. 
my Gamorian fire. The I, just, I can't get to my Funkos because they're on the other side of this cardboard wall. But anyway. And I have my Boba Fett cookie jar. Ooh, we have a C-3PO cookie jar. Sad because no cookies. Uh, anyway, you were speaking of merchandising cookies. before I. If you left cookies in there, then you would eat the cookies, and then you'd be sad that there were no cookies. Yeah, you know, it'd be, there's no chance of their cookies surviving in there. They <laughs> no. So, doing a quick Google search for Star Wars merchandise, you get two point two. 2.24 billion <laughs> results. My brain could not comprehend how big that number was for a split second there. My blonde is showing tonight. This is dangerous. Squirrel. Dangerous. <laughs> Parasaurophilus. Anyway, because there there is a... But never mind. So anyway. <laughs> so to say that merchandising is a big deal with Star Wars is a little bit of an understatement. A little bit. Just a pinch. Just a little bit. But... I found it interesting that George Lucas's marketing strategy with the original film was simple. Give filmgoers an avenue for fun through toys and other merchandise. So, fun fact, in 1977, for Christmas 1977, customers had to be given an early bird certificate package because Kenner could not keep up with making the action figures fast enough. Mm -hmm. They were selling out so fast. That by 1978, so one year later, Kenner had sold over 40 million action figures for a total of $100 million. Adjusted for inflation, $424 million today. Yeah. For Star Wars toys, people. Yeah, they were killing it. And Ernie's back. <laughs> well, since we were talking about Kenner and, you know, 1978, I figured that I would grab... Since this is, you know... Uh, dove down into show and tell. Uh, oh, yeah. This is my 1978 diecast Fal Millennium Falcon uh, made by Kenner. And so it's really cool. I got this as a graduation present uh, back in the 90s before you were born. And um, you graduated after I was born. Did I? I'm not sure. When did you anyway, graduate? 1995. So yeah, I was th three. <laughs> Only a slight age difference. No big deal. Uh, but anyway, but yeah, so this is this has uh, always been kept up high where my kids couldn't reach it when they were little. Right, because you don't want sticky, sticky fingers all over it or possibly breaking it. I was more afraid of them breaking the legs off or, um, you know, the antenna or the or Hold the it closer guns. to the camera so we can see the detailing better. It's actually done detailed really well. It is. So I even put us back in full screen so I could look at it. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, this is one of my pride and joy uh, collectibles. Loves it more than he loves his children. No. <laughs> I do days. love my kids quite a bit. Some days, though, it's it's debatable. So, But with Star Wars, with every film franchise, which was a new concept, that every film franchise that followed Star Wars, they followed the same model. Make the movie, sell the toys, the T-shirts, copies of the soundtrack to make more money. Mm -hmm. All of the Saturday morning cartoons in the 80s that were just toy commercials and the now you know moment at the end were products of Star Wars and models of products of Star Wars model merchandising. Wow, words. And even, you can even see that now in a currently popular franchise, Critical Role, which started as a YouTube channel, then they're streaming on Twitch. They're now getting their own Amazon cartoon, but Critical Role has taken that to 
merchandising and their own dice set, dice sets and t-shirts and everything because if you'll make it people will buy it true it's super true i mean my lightsaber hand mixer is proof of that <laughs> have you even taken it out of the box no that takes away the original box value I no, I just haven't. I keep forgetting to take it home. To be honest with you, that and my wife doesn't want it at home. <laughs> That's probably that part sounds more more reasonable. You know, she's already has a hand mixer. She doesn't need one that looks like you know. But if her hand uh, mixer at home suddenly breaks, if it was to suddenly disappear, oh no, her hand mixer, it's broken. If if that were to happen, <laughs> then this Anakin Skywalker. Hand blender oh, no. would become very important. Oh, John only has three Funkos. Oh, I've got <laughs> Mike. Can I buy your house? Only caveat is leave everything in it. <laughs> Does that include his fourteen-year-old? Yeah, you got to take a kid too. <laughs> I mean, we 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 might be we might be able to work something out here, Mike. But uh, yeah, you got to take the kid. The cat. The dogs. I'll keep my dog. I like I like her. Cats are kind of buttheads. That's why I named one Vader. Cats are just buttheads. That's what they do. That's, what, that's their jam. Do you know why, though? Side topic. Do you know why cats are as big of buttheads as they are? I do, but I'm going to let you say it anyway. Because they're the perfect killing machine, but they only weigh eight pounds, and we keep picking them up and squeezing them and telling them how cute they are. <laughs> that and they were given sandpaper tongues. True. That would make anybody grumpy. It'd make me grumpy. Uh, all right. So what else you got on that? That was all I got on the merchandise. That was all you got? That was it? Okay. <laughs> Mike says, nah, I got a 12-year-old and a 10-year-old daughters. Oh. What would a 14-year-old daughter add to that? So much more fun. Peace be with you, my child. Because <laughs> <laughs> in about a year to two years, you're going to hate life. Uh, anyway. <laughs> but Kendall, it's okay. Your daddy loves you. Yes, daddy loves you. All right. So uh, in about two years. <laughs> so the next part is we thought we have to talk about the impact on actual filmmaking itself. We look at the ways that filmmaking was done. Uh, you know, it used to be when they were flying ships through space, you could see the wire in, in sci-fi movies holding up the ship as it bounced through the sky. You know, uh, all those different things. Uh, they went from from using uh, painted sets and. Um, and all these other things to going to models. They used puppets. They were among the first to use CGI. Uh, they, you know, the uh, prequel trilogies were among the first films to be completely digitally filmed. Um, and everybody thought Lucas had lost his mind when he did that because they said that, well, what if there was an issue? You could lose everything. And uh, there's, you know, editing wasn't as precise back then as it as it is now. And but there was so many things that he, that Lucas has done along the way that has affected how films are made. Um, and so with the beginning of the original movie, uh, A New Hope, there was the creation of uh, Industrial Light and Magic, which is now just referenced as ILM, which is a, uh, a Lucasfilms property. Uh, they made all these incredibly detailed models of spaceships. Uh, they they learned different ways to use camera tricks to alter the way that you saw uh, the film and the way things were happening. 
um, they made all these big robots and these these um, life-size big set pieces themselves, things that were, were not done before. And honestly, if it wasn't for them, Chewbacca and, and, and C-3PO would not have been played by real-life actors. You know, uh, Peter Mayhew and, and Anthony Daniel would never have had a job. Um, so it was just some really, some really cool things. And then you had the THX, uh, sound system. Um, you know, there, there's all these different things that, that Lucas has done inside of Lucas films, the, the umbrella of Lucas films that has pushed the movie industry so drastically forward and how the movies are made, how they're, you know, how the lighting is done, how the filming is done, how the special effects are done. Um, all those things have just this earth-shattering impact um, on top of that. They can add sound effects after filming. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't have to make your lightsaber sounds all by yourself. But you yeah. Uh, in, in fact, Lucasfilms, the way that they were doing the movies was so revolutionary, they actually had to make a new camera specifically for, for Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, it's named after its creator. It's called the Dystroflex. It's a motion-controlled camera system which allowed ILM to uh, create the illusion of having a stationary model but moving quickly. And so it had to be done. That was the only way that they could shoot what they were trying to shoot. And so in order to make it look the way it it should have, and by this point in time, um, George had a couple extra bucks in his pocket, so he wasn't on the, uh, the shoestring budget that he was on for New Hope. But by that time, he, you know, he had a couple extra bucks. They went and made this, and it's now uh, something that's used very regularly in filmmaking. And even in the the aspect of the things that George Lucas has done through filmmaking, you mentioned um, THX. He didn't have the availability. He didn't have the funding to do that before the merchandising and the collecting and the the toys came out. That he right. made a killing on that and was able to expand his movie franchise and his powerhouse honestly Mm -hmm. through that that marketing and that physical media which i think is really cool right and because of the marketing and things that were done with star wars and 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 how much it pushed those forward we also have to be thankful that it did happen because if that had not happened harrison ford would never have been indiana jones because the the exactly um they would have never been able to have the money or the ability to, to start that next project because he now had this successful tenure behind him as a as a filmmaker, as a as a movie maker, as somebody who could bring something to the table and say, "Look, this is what I can do." Mm-hmm. That was never done before, and so all these things that George was doing was making him that much more desirable when it came time to make a movie. So when he wanted to do Indiana Jones, there was not as much of a fight as there would have been had he brought Indiana Jones to the table first after American Graffiti instead of Star Wars. Right. Right, you could not have made the jump from American Graffiti to Indiana Jones. That wouldn't have. No. That would not have worked. No, not at all. But talking about physical media with Star Wars, the book publishing is massive as well. There is literally a Star Wars book for anybody, any age. Um, the original Star Wars Expanded Universe included 202 books released from 1991 through 2014, which is almost nine books a year which it's a good thing they didn't have george rr martin on their writing team (laughs) (laughs) 
900 books later, we <laughs> are still doing things they shouldn't as brother and sister. And But we're still waiting for the end of the book and the right. end of the story the last, what, 15 years? Anyway. Sidetrack. I'm not bitter. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, when it came to, to comic books, the original Marvel series ran from 1977 through 1986. Dark Horse Comics published over 100 individual Star Wars, individual issues of Star Wars comics, mostly limited series with a few issues, starting with the good clone Emperor story, The Dark Empire in 1991. And that kept going through Legacy, which is about Luke and Mara Jane's descendant Cade Skywalker in 2010. But there's literally a Star Wars book for everybody. There are little golden book Star mm -hmm. Wars stories. Um, my daughter has I am a Jedi, I am a Sith, I am a princess, which is all about Princess Leia, which is fabulous. Um, one of my favorite ones of hers is Are You Scared, Darth Vader, which is adorable. That book is seriously anybody with little kids. If you don't have that book, find that book. It's stinking cute. But this proliferation of publishing proved that Star Wars could belong to anyone that there's room for everybody in that story which i feel is happy and warm and i feel loved and accepted <laughs> you okay over there tim just fine i love it when you gave me that look though that like oh my gosh she's crazy i, am. I love it <laughs> so it then uses me <laughs> that's good it me i live to be amusing so i've got cat ears <laughs> on my headphones I don't take myself seriously, and I don't expect anybody else to. So, Ta-da! <laughs> you know, okay, so with the Disney reboot, they rebooted the timeline when they bought uh, Lucasfilms, which makes sense. Make it your own. Um, but with literally hundreds of stories already being told, there wasn't a lot of room left to play in that sandbox. There were sandcastles everywhere already. So they did what any toddler does and knocked over all the sandcastles and built their own. No, nothing. nothing. They do. No. They did. They really did. They completely ignored all of the previous content and started writing their own. No, they basically playground bullied it and came through and stepped on the sandcastles. Said, nope, that does. That's not good enough. Except for this part, I want this thing that's already right. been dead. And it's just going to su surprisingly show back up somehow. Oh, we weren't talking about the Emperor? Okay, never mind. No, we totally were. We totally were. <laughs> we're never going to explain how he's not dead, even though you know he should be dead because you watched him die. Okay, that honestly is the crappiest line in Episode 9 when Poe Dameron stands there and says, uh, the Emperor came back somehow and then just carries on. Like, we weren't supposed to sit there and question what that somehow was or right. what or how it happened or how he got cloned or, 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 or there was all these things that it just, that, were we supposed uh, to completely throw it, our, our belief knowledge. out the door yeah. when princess Leia sucked herself back into a spaceship? I mean, no, she didn't suck herself back into a spaceship. <laughs> she married Poppins back in. Thank you very much. If you're going to say it, say it right. I'm sorry. She's not Yondu. <laughs> she can't marry Poppins. And there's there, I've heard I've listened to other people, um, you know, try and give it a logical force explanation for what uh, Princess Leia does in 
or, or if you want to call her General Leia, you know, uh, whatever at that point, um, what she did and how to get back into the spaceship and all that. It was, you know, the use of the force and the force was protecting her. And, and to some degree, that does make sense. I it get it. But still, but you know, you've, yeah, that was episode eight. We've had seven and a half other movies where nobody else has done that. Right. Nobody but, else has shown that that's possible. So why is it suddenly possible now? Right. But but if we're going to use that logic, then then in episode nine, then they shouldn't have been able to force heal. That's true. Be, but that's also something that has been possible through the force, but has never been shown on film before. And so I, it's not that I had a problem with her doing it. I just didn't like the fact that typically when somebody's using the force for themselves to navigate themselves through something, they're not haven't been blown out and ejected out into space right you know a good distance away from the spaceship and then you know you know slowly you know tractor beam themselves you know back in i don't know it's, i've always i listened to a couple different explanations of it my favorite still is uh, there's another podcaster uh but uh, his screen name is darth chocolate he has in my opinion darth the best Choco. explanation darth choco uh great guy but I just, that's the, one of the things that I still have a problem with. Um, but yeah. Uh, John says there are new force abilities in every movie, and force healing was done in episode four when Obi-Wan healed Luke after the Tusken attack. Was it shown on film? I didn't think he healed him on, on camera. I think it was referenced, but referenced and implied that it happened. But Yeah, I'll have to go back and watch that now, John. But, oh, um, darn, we have to watch Star Wars again. Yeah, I'm a highly offended, sir. How, How dare you? dare you? How dare you? Although, our kid's finally getting to the age where she might actually pay attention long enough to get a reaction. I'm not going to say it because she might be watching right now. But anyway. So... If we can get her to focus for longer than 30 seconds at a time, maybe it'll work. All I'm hearing is Star Wars time at Uncle Tim's house? Yes, Star Wars yeah. time at Uncle Tim's house. All right. She deal. loves Baby Yoda, so... Yeah. All right. but, you know, so but you said that there wasn't a whole lot of room in the sandbox and, until they kind of kicked down some of these other things. But right. they are creating new sandcastles along the way. They are, and that's and that's kind of one of the things I do like about what Disney's doing with with this new direction that they're going and how they're attacking it. I mean, because if that was if they hadn't done some of that, I don't know that we wouldn't have shows like The Mandalorian. I wouldn't be looking forward to Obi Wan and Ahsoka and, and you know, the Book and, of Boba Fett. Oh God! The <laughs> How many more days? What's the date today? What? Twenty fucking more days! <laughs> I'll make it. I'll be fine. I'll be. I am okay. so excited for the book of Boba Fett. Not as yeah. excited as I am for Obi Wan, but that's because Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen, and I just am excited. I just, I just, I don't remember who the actress is, but I just saw that they signed uh, uh, an actress to play Sabine Wren in the Ahsoka series. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, so if you're familiar with Star Wars Rebels, the animated series, which I love, um, you, Sabine Wren is a major part of that of that storyline, uh, and so they just signed an actress to play Sabine in a couple episodes. So I'll have to look that uh, up. I don't remember. Natasha Lou Bordizo? I think that sounds right. That doesn't but, mean that I pronounced it at all correctly, but... No, but, yeah, but she looks pretty similar to Sabine in facial structure and between how she's drawn and Kind of like uh, as much as Rosario, uh, Rosario Dawson looks like mm -hmm. Ahsoka, you know, it, there's definitely going to be differences be between clearly animation and live action. But I'm excited still, though. 
Yeah. But yeah, even absolutely. so, yeah, they they are building new sandcastles, and I feel too that that's actually bringing that has a potential of bringing the RPGs back as well. So there cool. are there are the Star Wars Star Wars role playing games, um, mm-hmm. and when that was made, there was this sort of setting Bible because that was the only thing that was even close. Like there wasn't all of the backstory. George Lucas had written what he had written for the movies and there was no, there were no other planets. There were no other universe aspects and it kind of became its own little sandbox. And I feel like the, the revamp with Disney can definitely, the role-playing games can build off of that especially with role-playing games coming back more with um, Twitch streaming and honestly Critical Role, again, bringing that that nerddom back to the forefront now that the satanic panic of the 80s is far behind us. (laughs) Oh, God, that's sad. (laughs) I mean, come on, that was like 40 years ago. Yeah. But on the good news side of that is that they already have started that a little bit with bringing back games. Um, So in the 90s, there was Knights of the Old Republic, Mm -hmm. uh, one and two, and I loved those games. And you can buy them now on on Xbox uh, for like nine bucks a piece, and they are backwards compatible. You can get them on GOG now, too. You might be able to, yeah. Let me see if GOG will load, and I can tell you. (laughs) But they they are remaking Knights of the Old Republic, and uh, it was actually, I think, released last month for exclusively for Switch. I think they had a, a month to a month and a half head start on every other uh, platform. So uh, when I you say 40 years ago, it makes me feel old. I get that. Yeah, Mike. I'm sorry, Mike. I She's like, you know, 18. So we. I wish. <laughs> and yet I don't. I was like, 18. <laughs> Yeah, I turned 45, and now when I go outside and it's cold, my nose starts to run. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Anyway, sidetrack. <laughs> I will be 30 next year. It's okay. But yeah, so Knights of the Old Republic is actually a really cool game. Um, it's, they've hired all new voice actors, everything. So they've really revamped that game. I need to... Knights of the Old Republic is available on GOG as well. So Galaxy of Games. Okay. Um, that's the 2003 remake. No, there was another the 20, one. The 2021 remake is what you need to find. Right. I know, but there's the older ones, too, is what I was looking at. Yeah, the older ones are great. Like um, Jedi Academy's on there. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's uh, the there's the original one. And then 2004, they had uh, Knights of the Old Republic 2, which was the Sith Lords, mm-hmm. which is also a really cool game. Um, so, yeah. I need to look a little more. And then into there's that. the then the Knights of the Old Republic online, the multiplayer. Yeah, yeah, that was had a completely different feel, and that's a lot of fun though. I've spent a good many, game. many hours playing that game. Yeah, same here. It uh, doesn't want to play on my computer anymore, but that's no. They 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 made a lot of changes to things, and it just didn't never really kind of kept up with. I got a new graphics card, and it stopped working. So. Oh, clearly EA hates you um that is a whole other that's a whole other topic there's my next five at five five reasons kathleen hates ea do it (laughs) mike can you say microtransactions so 
All right. So, yeah. So there's been a lot of reasons that we can look at how Star Wars has impacted life. We've talked about movie sequels and continued stories. We've talked about merchandising and collecting. We've talked about merchandising. Merchandising. Spinoffs. Exactly. All the different things like that. Specials. Oh, God. Uh, It's impact on filmmaking and how it's made films, the whole industry so much better. And of course, we just talked about book publishing, video games and things like that. Um, But if you go just if you look at Star Wars as a whole and how it's impacted life and what's gone on, uh, the number of TV shows and movies that make Star Wars references Mm -hmm. um, or borrow imagery from Star Wars. Uh, there, you know, you'll see that in, I believe there was, uh, their, uh, friends Seinfeld, uh, how I met your mother has a ton of star Wars references, which is probably why I like the show so much. Even, um, um, Simpsons and Simpsons. Yeah. I think Futurama had some star Wars references as well. Mm -hmm. And, uh, if you guys, if you, if you guys are out here are a big fan of star Wars and you have not seen this movie. I urge you, please, at, at 8.01, because I don't want you to miss any of our show, but at 8.01, go to whatever virtual uh, digital rental place you use and look for the movie Fanboys. <laughs> I love that movie. I um, love it's that movie. currently available on Hulu? I think so. It just showed up in my For You. Okay. So if you have Hulu account, then it's free. Um, like, but. But fanboys, it, they it's all it's set about uh, 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 four friends going from Ohio to San Francisco to break into Lucas Ranch to watch the original release of Phantom Menace before it got released to the studios and everything that they go through. And George Lucas pretty much gave them carte blanche to do whatever they wanted. They were able to use sounds, um, imagery, at whole. Right. There are cameos from uh, Billy D. Williams. There's cameos from Carrie Fisher in it, uh, and several other uh, others. We'll just say others. My apologies, though. It is apparently Amazon Prime that currently has it. Oh, Amazon Prime. Okay. Well, I'm like, Prime it was member. one of the streaming services I was looking through the other day, and so who knows? But I think too that it, because it has infiltrated every aspect of life, that. Mm-hmm. I find that really interesting, especially like we've got notes about the impact on language. The how does a movie impact our language even? Right. But it did. In, it in the things that we say. Yeah. You know, my wife tells me I love you. I say, I know. Yeah. You know. I mean, somebody somebody's spouse says something slightly passive aggressive and you go, It's a trap. <laughs> Search your feelings. You know it to be true. <laughs> Call my kid a pad one. I mean, just it hits every aspect of your life. <laughs> so, yeah, there's there's so much there um, that inside of what we say, how we say, why we say it, um, there's there's so many quotes from um, from Star Wars that we use. Um, and if you you know my my dad and I, then you understand why he will jokingly say to me, no, I am your father. Uh, <laughs> That's a whole oh, other story. Bad. That's a whole other focused on forward episode. Um, I think you talked about that on Better Call Daddy. <laughs> I did. Yes, <laughs> I did on the Better Better Call Daddy podcast. Uh, yeah, with uh, Rena Friedman Watts. Check if you guys haven't checked out her podcast. You probably should. 
Uh, Rena's awesome. And uh, we just recorded with her for uh, Pop Culture Addicts. So we'll talk to, we talked to her about her time on the Jerry Springer show. Interesting. There's also animals named after Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Like 15 to 20 of them. Scientists are using Star Wars names. <laughs> um, yeah. So John, I gotta look this one up. I, John I, I says, I thought they smelled bad on the outside when changing a diaper. You have no sense of smell, John Moss. You can't even. There, okay. There's a moth. I keep forgetting about the Wakia Chewbacca. Oh, that's cool. There's. Anyway, sorry. I keep forgetting that your husband has blown out his sense of smell. He has. So here's here's my little public service announcement for all of the parents listening. When your child wants a science kit, get them one of the age-appropriate science kits that is available for purchase. Do not get scared that the age-appropriate science kits will no longer be safe. If you take the age-appropriate science kit away from your child, they will then mix ammonia and bleach and burn out their noses. There is, there is definitely that. <laughs> the the age-appropriate science kits only contain things that are safe for your child. At that age. Also, lock up your chemicals. And this... And that, friends, completes Kathleen's <laughs> PSA. I will get off my soapbox now. I thought I heard a dismount. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, guys, oh. there, there's there's so much more. And, and honestly, this is a topic where we could do multiple hours talking about this. And we really kind of truncated these topics to, okay. to get them down inside of an hour. There's so much information out there about the ways that Star Wars has impacted our cultural views on things and, and how we do things and why we do things. Um, there's a reason why idea. there's, there's so <laughs> I'm scared. Oh, you should be, <laughs> you know, and, and to be fair though, um, honestly, even though I am not a huge Trekkie, uh, I know that will surprise many of you who are familiar with pop culture addicts and funny science fiction, <laughs> even though I am not a huge, huge Trekkie, we could have the same discussion about star Trek. Aww, thanks Mike. We appreciate that. Aw. Awesome. Thank we you. We have much. a friend. Yay, friends. Um, but yeah, a lot of these same them. things could be done. There's a lot of things that happened uh, because star because of Star Trek and the way that Star Trek did things. But um, just so we're we're clear, there would not be and I also blame George Lucas for this, there would not have been a Star Trek the motion picture without Star Wars. I can totally agree with that because that movie is a hot dumpster fire yes it is but fortunately that led us to number five on my top five movie sequels with wrath of khan 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 so anyway so my brilliant (laughs) idea tim i'm waiting to share our continuation of our love of star wars we should live stream you playing the star wars rpg for the first time I mean, I'm not against it, but I think we should of, do it. There's going to be so much giggling. John, let's do it. <laughs> Ooh, look what I did. I think it'll be great. <laughs> Tina, do it. We'll do it. You heard it here first. After the first of the year, because we got to get some stuff figured out. But yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll make it happen. We'll make Yay! it happen. So 
All right, we've got just about uh, seven minutes left here. So at the end of every one of our shows, we ask our guests where our, where our listeners or viewers can find out more about the folks that we've just talked with. So Kathleen, where can people go to find out more about Pop Culture Addicts? I am so glad this is spelled out in our notes because I would not remember at this point. <laughs> I wrote it down for you for a reason. I really, really appreciate that. All right, uh, my name's Kathleen, and I got the mom brain. <laughs> oh, that's accurate. <laughs> Terrifyingly accurate. All right, you guys can find Pop Culture Addicts on any major podcasting distributor like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and more. Pretty much anywhere you look for podcasts, we are there. You can also watch our interviews on our YouTube channel by subscribing to Pop Culture Addicts. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram by using the handle at PCA Pod Show and on Facebook as Pop Culture Addicts. You can also yeah, find so, Tim on Twitter at The Podcast Guy. Actually, no, I don't. I, actually, I don't. Actually, it's on Instagram. We are at PCA Pod Show. Um, and same for Twitter and Instagram. Actually, I don't have my own Twitter account anymore. Oh, uh, no, I used you to have turn one. turned it into PCA? No, actually, I turned it into River City Tees. So, um, I get it. Yeah, I understand, Jeff. Who got banned? I know he just said banned. Some one of us got banned. Okay, but yeah. Probably. So uh, my personal page turned into River City Tees, uh, which is uh, on Twitter at River City Tees. Very ingenious. Um, uh, which that's my my uh, nerd merch and T-shirt store, and one of the sponsors of this here indie pods so if you go into the expo room you'll find a link for river city tees you can check that out uh there so guys you can also find uh, me on twitter and oh, yeah. instagram at ganame gnome 13 i also put that in the comments because nobody's ever going to spell that right i can't, um, i don't even know how to pronounce that i know the gnome 13 part what ganame. is the part? ganame mm -hmm. so pronounce gnome with a g it's ganame gnome 13 all right, cool. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but you can find me on TikTok as the podcast guy, the underscore podcast underscore guy. And I put a lot of stuff on there about uh, all three of my podcasts, uh, not only for pop culture addicts, for funny science fiction, and for focused on forward updates and information, what's going on there. Uh, you can find that on TikTok. So, guys, thank you so much for uh tuning in here and talking uh, or listening to us talk really kind of ramble. We rambled a lot. We do it was, that. It's kind but of a jam. It's what I do. As we, do. we tell our guests when they say that they have told a long winded story or they gave a long winded answer. Long what? answers are the best answers. Exactly. We, we know what we're doing, Tim. <laughs> we know what we're doing, Tim. I was just checking to see if there was somebody behind me. <laughs> I was like, wow, somebody behind me knows what they're doing. All right. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> oh, Tina, you are too sweet uh, calling us professionals. <sighs> I do believe that I actually, I think it's my personal Facebook page that I said that I am an unprofessional podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we show that every live show for Funny Science Fiction on Monday nights and that I'm an unprofessional podcaster? No, that we, oh, we, you and I'm I like, because because there's the nights that I'm sitting here going, because I like fun. Yeah. Or the nights that I'm drinking a truly hard seltzer during the show. 
still can't believe you did that. Oh, I'll uh, do it again. All right. But as we say at the end of every show, uh, A, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. And if you uh, subscribe to us, it helps us in more ways than we can ever tell you. Subscribing to Pop Culture Addicts on our YouTube channel is the greatest and single most important thing that you can do to help us continue to grow. We've... Uh, so far, we, we have 12 episodes out. Our 13th comes out this, this Monday uh, with uh, Eileen Shapiro, who is a longtime author, and she's a, a PR rep, and whew, she has been a best-selling author of Star Trek novels, mm -hmm. uh, Star Trek medical novel. Star Trek and, medical novel, yes. Yeah, which was impressive. And she has a book called Searching or Waiting for Adam, is what it was titled. Uh, about her her uh, journey to interview Adam Ant and all the different people that she's interviewed and uh, celebrity uh, rock journalists for all these different years. Uh, Eileen Shapiro is a wonderful person to talk to and a wonderful person to work with. And so we have an interview coming out with her that'll air uh, Monday morning on anywhere you get your podcast and, of course, on our YouTube channel. And like we like to close the end of the show with, don't miss a single week. You never know who we're going to talk to, and you never want to miss your next fix of Pop Culture Addicts. So that's it. That's our spiel, guys. That's what we do. That's that's kind of what we do. We we just kind of get on here and, um, you know, talk. Hey, thanks for listening to Pop Culture Addicts. If you're interested in being a guest on a future episode of Pop Culture Addicts, you can reach us on either Instagram or Twitter by using the handle at PCA Pod Show. You can also email us at PCA Pod Show at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Copyright 2021 Pop Culture Addicts. Reference to any specific product or entity mentioned on this podcast does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation of by Pop Culture Addicts or any of its sponsors. The views expressed by guests are their own and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity that they represent. If you have any questions about this disclaimer, please contact us via email at PCAPodshow at gmail.com.